Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everybody. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We have a lot to talk about. Usually we kick off things by talking about what we've been drinking, but as I mentioned in my last uh, my last podcast, I am recovering from strep throat, so I have been avoiding while I'm on antibiotic. Uh, what about you? You know, nothing super notable or interesting. I'm kind of uh, going through a backlog of rums and whiskeys that I purchased kind of during the pandemic when I was super bored. Um, and I think last night I had some Zacapa 23. It was actually a gift, uh, brought to me from an old friend of the cup. Um, oh no, it was from the ghost of Jay Cutler <laughs> for, for those of us who remember him. Um, his fiance got it from Guatemala, I think. Oh, nice. Um, and it was delicious. So. So that's the most interesting thing I think I've had recently. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to... Uh, usually we spent, over the last few weeks, we've spent the entire podcast talking about the transfer portal. Uh, and we, we do have a little bit to talk about within the transfer portal, but we're actually going to shake things up a little bit this, this week and talk about the coaching staff. So Ole Miss has added this offseason Pete Golding, Kenoto Hudson, and Wes Neighbors. Uh, along with John Garrison, uh, and, but and, and we'll talk about them. But we're going to go through the entire coaching staff and sort of just give thoughts on them, uh, and you know where Ole Miss stands, uh, what maybe needs to be improved, what's you know where we see strengths, that sort of thing. Uh, and so, if we go position by position, the first one we start with is quarterbacks coach Charlie Weiss Jr. And, you know, Charlie Weiss Jr. gets a lot of flack. Uh, He is young, somewhat inexperienced, uh, and Ole Miss struggled in the red zone this past season. I'm not ready to write off Charlie Weiss Jr. I think that Lane Kiffin has his hands all over the offense and Charlie Weiss Jr. is easy to blame when something doesn't work. Uh, I I, I want to give him some more time. He was breaking in a new quarterback. The offensive line was really bad. Let's wait and see what happens when he's got a more established unit to go with. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think adding a really good tight end, which hopefully Caden Prescorn is... Um, should help the red zone issues a lot. And like you said, he's just so young. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for growth. And if you don't see a lot of improvement, especially in the red zone this year, I think that's cause for concern. But, I mean, it was still a crazy prolific offense with a brand new quarterback, a lot of turnover, and a pretty bad offensive line at times. So, mm-hmm. uh I think there's there's a lot good to be said about the you know the product that he put on the field. Yeah, and also an inability to use the middle of the field. I, I I know that like that can be on the offensive coordinator, but if we think about it, like what worked was the outside receivers and Quinshawn Judkins. 
like you said, like there really wasn't a tight end for a while. Um, you know, I think that there was always at least one scholarship tight end healthy, but like there was a time when, you know, Jonathan Mingo was playing tight end. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't expect to have quite as many problems on offense this year. And that personnel group should be more useful. Also, <clears throat> you know, bringing in Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard, uh, while you and I are both Dart fans, it, it you know, we could see a path where one of those actually wins the starting job and maybe is better. I mean, I think you and I both have similar feelings about Spencer Howard and uh, Spencer Sanders, sorry, and sort of don't really understand why he was brought in. Um, kind of evaluate him similarly, which is not as good as Dart. But, you know, maybe we're wrong. And he wins out the job and does better. And then Charlie Weiss has more to work with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sanders, not to dive down a huge rabbit hole with him, but Sanders was the quarterback of some really good Oklahoma State teams, um, you know, and, and was a first-team all-Big 12 selection uh, as oh, I didn't. Junior. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. First thing, and and weirdly, uh, I guess he passed for the most yards that year of his career. But I don't think it was the best in terms of like QBR or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. His first yeah. team, all Big Twelve in twenty twenty one. All right. So having said all these things that discount uh, the hate of Charlie Weiss, I reserve the right to take all this back in the middle of a game um, and say nasty things about him in our slack of course uh second is running backs coach markel blackwell so if you remember markel blackwell came over last season from houston and uh didn't really have like lane kiffin ties uh from what i remember he was just sort of uh brought in and i I think that it's tough to evaluate position coaches, but like, could the running backs room have done better this year? No. Yeah. Other than magically making Zach Evans healthier. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> not like, not really much. He could have done better. I mean, like maybe Marco Blackwell has nothing to do with that, but like, there's no reason to evaluate him negatively in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something, you know, so a lot of the running back position is just raw, natural talent. But something they did well, and we've talked about this before, is pass blocking. Like, they weren't perfect, but Quinchon Judkins and Zach Evans were both really willing, really effective pass blockers. Uh, and that was one of the reasons that, that uh, <laughs> Jackson Dart wasn't sacked a lot more than he was. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, also, Kedrick Riesenau... Uh, the running back signee is on the on three consensus. He is a top five running back in the country. And he signed his primary recruiter was Markel Blackwell. He's from Texas. Markel Blackwell was coaching in Texas before coming to Ole Miss. Like you got your guy, you got it. You know, you, you did well as a position group this year. And on top of that, you signed a player that lots of other programs wanted. There you go. A. You get an A. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, next on the list is wide receivers coach Derek Nix. 
the butt of many a joke uh, between between us. I I don't understand how he is still a coach at Ole Miss. He co- so he started coaching under Houston Nutt at Ole Miss. Yep. And f- three head coaches later, he is still coaching at Ole Miss. Yeah, and has moved from coaching running backs to coaching wide receivers under Lane Kiffin, which, like, I just don't get. I, I still don't get it. I I could go on and on about it every time he comes up, but I I often wonder if he is part of the reason why there aren't more wide receivers ready to go week in and week out uh, for Ole Miss, why it's always the same three or four guys. Yeah. Um, so people say, like, well, Derek Nix is really good at, at recruiting Mississippi. And Ole Miss has had success in Mississippi recently, certainly. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wonder, like, wouldn't Ole Miss have success in Mississippi? Like, regardless? I mean, it's it's an in-state school. Like, maybe he has helped win a couple of battles, but, like, wouldn't any coach who was assigned to Mississippi help win some in-state battles? Yeah. He doesn't seem unreplaceable, irreplaceable in, in that regard. Um, yeah, you're right, especially in the NIL era, because I feel like one of the advantages Mississippi State used to have in recruiting Mississippi was more more football coaches are mm. state alumni or state fans or both. Um, and, and that could be hard, uh, you know, trying to get in the door of, of certain high schools, but in the NIL area era, just, you know, Ole Miss, I think dominates Mississippi state. Head coaches in the state of Mississippi, head high school coaches used to, and I guess still do. We can actually talk about this uh, in a little bit. I, I don't know that this kid was hidden. But used to hide players who were really good. They would, like, encourage them not to go to camps and things like that and get them to sign with Mississippi State. <clears throat> Crazy. Yeah. So, like, uh, you know, you're, we're, we're working against that at every at every point. And, and maybe Derek Nix is fine, but, like, the wide receivers haven't developed under him at all. Uh, and so... Maybe he just needs to be coaching a different position or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he's good at it. Who knows? But there's no reason to believe that he has done something so that now our receivers are good because that's kind of not the case. Every single offseason, we have to bring in more receivers to be able to try to find some who are decent. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next is John David Baker, tight ends coach. Uh. I see mainly good. You know, he, he got Michael Trigg. He got, actually he was instrumental in bringing in Jackson Dart. Um, tough to evaluate this past season, the tight end position at Ole Miss since everything went wrong at that position. Yeah, it, it really did. Um, yeah. Everything we ever hear about John David Baker is that he's a really good, really promising young coach and that he has just recruited exceptionally uh, at Ole Miss. I, I think watching the production of the tight ends room next year 
will be a lot more indicative of, you know, how he does on the field, uh, you know, developing players because they have a fair number of bodies uh, in the tight end room next year. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. A lot of talent. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I would say an incomplete-ish grade. We'll kind of have to see. Um, it's not as if he is a gangbusters recruiter. I mean, he, you know, hasn't been accounting for a bunch of guys who are not tight ends, and the tight ends that Ole Miss has signed in recent years have been. So he was not the head coach, or he was not the tight ends coach when Ole Miss signed Hudson Wolf, who was the number one tight end in the country. Uh, the past two classes. Ole Miss has signed three-star tight ends who are, you know, expected to be fine, but are not these elite types of talents that everybody wants or something like that. Mm -hmm. And John David Baker has not, other than getting, uh, helping to get some transfer portal targets like Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, you know, he has not been instrumental in landing like huge big fish in high school, out of high school uh, at all, really, at Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Our first new coach, offensive line coach John Garrison, who I always have to look up his name because for some reason I think uh, of Jason Garrity uh, in Friday Night Lights, who is um, uh, it's actually not a character. Uh, Jason from Friday Night Lights is with Lila Garrity, and for some reason... John Garrison, in my mind, becomes Jason Garrity, which is, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, And John Garrison, first new coach, he coached at FAU under Kiffin, which is going to be a running theme we're going to get into. Um, He has spent the last four seasons at NC State as the offensive line coach, where uh, his first three years, he actually coached a a first-team All-American tackle. Um, But, you know, this past year did not, but is certainly highly thought of in, in some circles and brings experience to the position with 15 years of coaching experience. Yeah. I mean, you have to think it's a big upgrade over Jake Thornton, who, you know, maybe may end up being a rising star in the coaching world, but clearly lacks some experience and, didn't put a great product on the field really at any point this past season. Um, And he's also, so Garrison has also brought in two transfer portal players and then one junior college signee. And then also found a high school prospect that, that Ole Miss seemingly wasn't on until he got there and Ethan fields from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's, he's bringing in new guys to, you know, kind of put his, prints on the offensive line room. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many of those guys end up starting, you know, the, the two transfer portal additions, especially. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, if you, if you add a coach and then during the off season in which you add him, he brings in four players. Like that's pretty cool. <laughs> yep. And, and there are still a couple of like outstanding offensive linemen, right? So it, maybe there's, I don't know if Chimdi Oh no, uh, who's a high schooler, is necessarily an option at this point uh, after all the transfers, but still under consideration. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we have defensive line coach Randall Joyner. Randall Joyner is... 
kind of spoken of as this like super highly revered coach at Ole Miss who, you know, Kiffin needed to do everything he could to hold on to. Um, and I think that it's really hard to judge him with the three down lineman sets. Um, obviously, like Sam Williams credits Randall Joyner as being seismic in his development. So that's cool. And Joyner has, at Ole Miss, signed two four-stars in Xavier Harris and Jamarius Brown. Um, but, you know, the, the defensive line is not wrecking people. They're not often tasked with that. They're usually tasked with sort of like eating up blockers. And if the defense can hold on long enough that to, um, Tavius Robinson gets off his, his block, then he, he goes and gets a sack. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 you, you texted me, you and I were texting back and forth yesterday about Randall Joyner and sort of like, I think you maybe have a, a different feeling. Cause I, I still think of him as like a really good asset, but I, I don't know what your thoughts are now. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you in that. I, I recognize that it's really hard to judge the production of his defensive line just because of the scheme. Um, his recruiting, I think, is has been, or you know, recruiting at the position has been okay. I think it's been, you know, below average uh, SEC, you know, for competing in the SEC. I, I don't mm. think he's recruited well enough to like give Ole Miss a real boost in that department. Again, maybe that's a scheme thing too, um, because it's just hard to find those body types, those nose tackles, and then those like 270, 280 pound guys who can also get after the quarterback. Like those are both hard to find. Um, and so I would give him some slack there, but yeah, he, he definitely has been talked about as a guy that Lane Kiffin really has to hold on to. But at the same time, nobody really made a pass at him this off season, which I kind of thought was curious. I, I don't know. I, I kind of expected it just because of the way that he's talked about, but it never, never really came up. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with Auburn coming after like all of Ole Miss's coaches, it's surprising that there wasn't a rumored uh, interest there. Um, okay. Uh, first new defensive coach, uh, Pete Golding, linebackers coach and also defensive coordinator. I think, I mean, we've covered him last, last podcast. I think one thing I would, I would say about Golding is, I expected him to hire his own defensive coaches, like assistant coaches. And yet the two other position coaches, which are corner and safety, which we're going to talk about in a minute, both were on Lane Kiffin's FAU staff. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bit odd, maybe a bit disappointing. And I'd add to that. I really expected him to make a little bit more of a difference grabbing guys from the portal, either from Alabama or guys that he recruited from elsewhere. And to his credit, it seems like he had a big hand in recruiting Walker Howard, but Walker Howard doesn't play defense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think 
maybe Ole Miss doesn't get Monty Montgomery if Pete Golding is not the defensive coordinator, you know? That's true. We, we don't really know. Um, and there is the second portal window. I know everyone expects that to be a lot lighter and sparser in terms of top-end talent and that sort of stuff, but to me, that's when Pete Golding will really have an opportunity um, to, to bring some guys in uh, because he was hired, what, like three days before the the deadline to enter the portal closed. Yeah. Not, not long. Yeah. Um, okay. So obviously like we don't know yet about, about him. Uh, Kinoto Hudson is the cornerbacks coach. He comes over to Ole Miss directly from Western Kentucky where he was for one year before that he was on Lovey Smith's, um, staff at Illinois. And, um, before that, he was with Kiffin at FAU. So <clears throat> he was the primary recruiter for Devin Witherspoon at Illinois. He also coached him for Witherspoon's first two seasons. And Witherspoon is now declaring, has declared early for the draft. He is the number one cornerback in college football, or at least he's viewed as like the number one draft, draftable cornerback in college football. Um, Obviously, that was a huge success uh, on on Hudson's part, and he got his start at USC Southern Cal um, as an off the field recruiter. So, obviously, like I think you and I probably both view cornerbacks coach as someone who needs to be real good at recruiting um, because the position is so like. I mean, there's obviously there's tons you have to learn and teach and all that stuff, but like it's very much an instinctual position um, of like, if you don't have guys who are super quick and awesome, like it doesn't matter if you can coach them well. Uh, and it seems like he's a pretty good recruiter. He hasn't proven himself to be some type of like elite recruiter who has snagged, you know, five stars at every stop or anything like that. But like, it's really early in his career and he hasn't really been at the schools where that would make sense. Yeah, I agree. I think so. My initial reaction when his, he was hired was disappointment, but mostly because there had been talk about bringing in guys like Brian Brown, maybe more of a safeties coach for him, or Traveris Robinson from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, when there's talk about that and you hire a guy from Illinois, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's no reason that, you know, he, he won't end up being really successful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's early to tell. And I think you're right. I think, you know, recruiting will be the, the big measuring stick for, for him. Yeah. If you're going to have a complaint about Kenota Hudson, maybe it's this Chris Partridge could have hired Kenota Hudson. That's very like, true. Yeah. In bringing in Pete Golding, we had hoped that we would, be accessing another echelon of assistant coaches to to coach under him. Uh, that has not been the case. Yeah. Last defensive coach is Wes Neighbors, coaches safeties. He's also new. He coached under Kiffin at FAU. He was at Louisiana Lafayette and Southern or South Florida, and recently spent one year at Maryland as the safeties coach there. I don't know a lot about this guy, I have to admit. Um, but 
I think that he is, you know, similar to Hudson in that, like, probably could have been hired without a problem under the previous staff, not like a, a home run at the moment. I mean, you know, he could obviously do plenty here and uh, undo that narrative, but that's kind of what I think of him at the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah, you don't want to judge these guys too much before they do anything, but but yeah. Certainly some splash hires could have been made. Yeah. Uh, then the last coach is Marty Biaggi, who's special teams coach. Special teams coordinator, actually, is I think what it's what it's called. Um, I, I am pro Marty Biaggi. I think that he has a pedigree. He was awesome at North Texas before uh, Ole Miss. He was awesome at Purdue. Uh, at, before Ole Miss, and you know the field goal kicking has been exceptional under him. Obviously, field goal kicking is like very predicated on do you have a good kicker or not. I I, I understand that, but like, uh, I I think that the the metrics by which you can judge a special teams, Ole Miss has been good. Yeah, you know I, I know very little about Biagi, but. It's definitely worth mentioning that they had a good kicker in place in Caden Costa, and then he got suspended for a year, uh, mm-hmm. totally out of the blue. And then they went and found an exceptional kicker to take his place for for one year. Yeah. Uh, so so you know that's a pretty cool job. Yeah. Okay, so that that wraps up our who are our coaches segment, um, and. We have a bunch more here, but we're kind of trying to keep things to a 30-minute time frame. Have four minutes left. So I'll let you decide where we where we go next among the, the topics we have left. Yeah, you know, let's let's just rattle off some portal recruiting. Uh, there's, there's still a couple of guys floating out there in the high school ranks, but we really don't know. Um, but, you know, there are a few portal guys left. So, okay, so one thing that's worth mentioning... Um, last week, Ole Miss got a commitment from offensive lineman Manatai Mani. Um, he signed with Wyoming and then redshirted with them in 2020, I believe, or maybe 2021, and then went to Diablo Valley Community College in California. Um, we've both looked at his highlight tape, and it looks crazy. He starts at left tackle for them and just bulldozes people, appears really fast, uh, just finishes blocks in a really aggressive physical way, kind of like a Nick broker. He just like wants to take guys all the way to the ground and then make them stay there. Um, yeah. So yeah, gotta, it, it's, it's really hard to like know talent levels people are up against and that sort of thing. It's a community college, all that sort of stuff. But like they use them as a pulling tackle a ton and like pulling tackles. That's so fun. But you have to have somebody who is really quick on his feet to be able to pull a tackle. And he is. He gets around the edge real quick. Yeah, so definitely excited about him. He, I think, arrives in the uh, summer. So yeah, so probably isn't challenging for an immediate immediate role. Yeah, yeah. So um, It's been talked about Mississippi State running back Dylan Johnson, the guy who 
uh, took personally something that Mike Leach said about him and then tweeted about it on his way into the portal. Uh, and Mike Leach died. Uh, very bad timing. Um, uh, I, I should say your your laughter is not about Mike Leach dying. Your, no, your, no, your no, laughter it's... is about like the the poor timing of having done that, and then, like what was it, like it was like a day or two later, right? When suddenly yeah. Mike Leach was hospitalized. Yeah, yeah. it's like because when Dylan Johnson tweeted that, it kind of in my mind it made Mike Leach look like a, a dick, and then it got flipped on him really quick in a really unfortunate yeah. way. Not yeah. to make light of any of the you know right, 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 situation, right. but. Anyway, he's in the portal, committed to Washington, but I'm pretty sure that he doesn't want to go to Washington based on everything that we're hearing. Uh, I think he visited Ole Miss, whether officially or unofficially, and uh, people at Mississippi State are saying that he's not coming back to state. So it seems like there's a decent chance he could come. Um, Texas Christian wide receiver Quincy Brown who I think was maybe a redshirt freshman this year. Um, no, he, so he, he started last year. He started like several games last season. And then this year got phased out. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, hasn't been especially productive there, like even in his starts, but I think he was a freshman last year and started. And TCU was also five and seven last year, lest everyone forget and then suddenly they're playing, you know, in the national championship game uh, this year. But yeah, he's six four and like can jump really high. And if if you're both of those things, like probably get a chance for another another football team. Yeah, yeah, and I think he was like a four star out of high school as well. So yeah, um, we don't really know what's going on with him. Um, he visited. It seems like things were lined up, and then nothing happened. So we don't really know. Yeah. Um, Alabama linebacker Demoy Kennedy, kind of the same situation. A lot of these latecomers are just, I don't know, sitting on their their thumbs trying to figure out what to do. Um, he seemed like a home run, you know, to end up at Ole Miss, a former top, you know, forty ish player in the country, um, was relegated to special teams at Alabama just because. I don't know if you're if you're a linebacker and you sign with Alabama, like you have to have the biggest ego in the world, honestly, uh, yeah. to, to get on the field. I mean, not not knocking the guys who actually you know sign with them and it doesn't work out. You know, you got to believe in yourself. But like, holy crap, you're just the odds aren't in your favor to get on the field. Or like a corner. Imagine if you're a corner and you sign with Alabama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he could be phenomenal, is what we're saying, and just hasn't had the chance to show it. Um, because Alabama has two NFL players, at least at linebacker every single year. Um, but anyway, so he visited, seemed like he was going to commit any second or that he had already privately committed to the coaches and agreed to an NIL deal and whatever, whatever. And then just nothing happened. There was some rumor that Alabama was making a push to keep him, but then, uh, that rumor kind of fizzled out and, you know, sources from Tuscaloosa were saying like, now that he not expected back so we don't really know yeah it's like yeah maybe he's going to end up signing with like colorado you know you, you never really know with a player like that um yeah then the last other the last two portal players that i wanted to talk about are davison ibanosin and taishim johnson uh neither has selected a destination i know Ole Miss was trying to retain both 
Uh, I would prefer that they, if they had, if we had to choose one, I would definitely would prefer that they retain Igmanosin, um, only because that position is a little bit worse off than than safety is at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And Igmanosin is younger, has more upside. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think they should take away whatever nil deal they gave to Spencer Sanders and give it to to Igmanosin. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, okay, so the only other thing that I wanted to mention, because uh, we're we're actually over time, kind of what we had talked about, um, Jonathan Davis, a high schooler in Mississippi, um, for everyone who has forgotten, February, first week of February, uh, high schoolers can, can sign that did not sign in the, um, in the early signing period, which has become the default signing period, <clears throat> um, yeah, this guy like came out of nowhere and suddenly uh, has offers from Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Texas like within the last couple of weeks. So the story behind him, because I, I talked to somebody who is familiar with the guy, is that uh, coming into this, or I guess like at the end of last season, he was like 6'1", 260 at, at uh, defensive end. And, um, you know, didn't, wasn't really generating interest or really doing all that much. And then between the end of last year and the beginning of this year, he grew to six, five, 300 and became this like wrecking ball that they would use at defensive end or defensive tackle. Um, I watched this film and like, it is very much the typical, like this player all these other players do not belong on the same field as this guy. Uh, because like there are so many times where it just looks like they don't even attempt to block him. <laughs> he just like rushes past them and immediately tackles the running back, which there are also times where it's comical because it's like a slot receiver somehow has gotten the ball and this guy tackles him. And like a high school slot receiver is usually like 150 pounds. <laughs> and this guy just throws him down with no problem. Um, but I think that the like raw potential guy from a small Mississippi high school, this is the type of player that Ole Miss should try to get and see if it can work. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've mentioned it on the pod several times. Mississippi State typically gets these guys. Um, late bloomer, small town, overlooked for whatever reason, and then they end up playing in the NFL for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, well, hopefully some of these things will actually develop and we'll have some more to talk about next week as well. But until then, uh, we're signing off and look forward to talking more next week.